Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to remind you that the show is also available on YouTube. And starting from episode number 101, it's all in 4K. I'm trying to make the best video podcast I can, so definitely check it out and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Go to youtube.com slash at progressionspod or hit the link in the show notes. If you're not getting enough progressions and you want to get even more thoughts on creativity, productivity, and growth in music, then you should sign up for my newsletter. You'll find a brief article in each monthly edition as well as updates on progressions and myself. I'm also sharing some workflow hacks and links to stuff that I found interesting or helpful. So it should be fun. If you want to stay up to date on the latest and get all the bonus stuff, go to travisferentz.com slash subscribe or click the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome to Progression, success in the music industry. I'm your host, Travis Ferentz, and this is a special bonus episode. So no intro on this one. We'll get back to the usual next week. Today's episode is a special bonus all about marketing for musicians. Feature FM has been kind enough to loan us a couple members of their team for this chat, so we are in good hands. We're joined by CEO and co-founder Lior Aharoni and Chief Commercial Officer Daniel Sander. Lior co-founded Feature.fm in 2013, combining his past technology experience as part of the Israel Defense Force Cybersecurity Department with his passion for helping musicians and creators focus on their art while still building a thriving independent business. Daniel has been with Feature since 2014 and has spent countless hours working with hundreds of artists and marketers to understand their needs and then implement those features into the platform. Those are much shorter bios than they deserve, but we'll learn plenty more about them in a second. So welcome to the show, Lior and Daniel. Hey, y'all, how's it going? Great, uh, Travis. Thank you for having us. How about you? Things are good for me. Where Where is everybody at in the world? There's three of us here. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm uh, based in New York City. And I'm based in Hoboken, New Jersey right now. Okay, nice, nice. Is there a lot of remote work in Feature FM now these days? Or was it always kind of split up a little bit? So today, the American office is fully remote. Or we have, you know, New York-based and LA and Florida. And the Israeli office, uh, they have an office. But, you know, it's kind of like flexible. You know, they come and go as they like. It seems like in Israel, they like to go to the office. So, you know... (laughs) We're happy, you know, whatever is convenient to the, you know, to the people at the company, eventually the goal is to, is for people to be happy and create. I agree. I feel like nobody wants to go to the office anymore, especially in LA. It's like nobody wants to deal with the traffic. They're like, I don't have to drive into the office. Nah, not going to happen. But uh, I'm super excited to chat today because you guys can tell me whether you agree or disagree. I'm guessing you agree. I feel like it's a really cool time for independent artists because there's so much access to your audience like there's all these dsps there's all these ways that you can get out there there's all these social media platforms there's so many ways to win your fans over but yet i still feel like a lot of a lot of people run into the same barriers where they never like find that niche audience that can support them for their whole life they always are searching for like the massive hit and maybe that's not right for everybody maybe it is but um so hopefully we can help people crack the code on, you know, finding their thousand true fans and building from there today. So do you guys agree that there's a lot of access? It's a great time to be an independent musician. Yes, um, I can. I can answer to that. I think it's probably the best time in history <laughs> to be an independent musician. And I think independent creator in general, I think, you know, a world that was dominated by traditional media 
which is radio, TV, and print. And now it's kind of like being dominated by social media, but in a much more accessible way that anyone can access, anyone can use, anyone can produce and get to fans. So that's why we're seeing, I think, more and more artists uh, make it on their own uh, because, you know, access to, to audience, to data is crucial. And it feels like today they have more opportunities. Definitely streaming and all this trend has changed, you know, the industry in a very positive way where the industry is making more money in general. So, so I think in all angles, it's very positive for the independent artists. I agree. I think it's a, it's a good time. Daniel, did you want to add anything? Yeah, no, just uh, kind of piggyback off of what Lior was saying. I think we see in the market just a huge explosion of independent artists that, you know, the term for them is DIY, but doesn't necessarily mean you're doing everything yourself. You know, we see many artists that are going about building their own careers, taking things into their own hands, and they can have teams around them. You know, they can have managers, they can have people helping them along the way. And they don't have to go sort of the, you know, the, the older traditional route, but are really looking to kind of build their own destiny and, and can make a living off their music uh, in new ways. Uh, so it's, it's a very exciting time. And yeah, as Lior said, we believe it's, it's probably the best time in history to be an independent artist. I think maybe two of the main pillars of being musicians have changed in the past, you know, decade or decade and a half is one, production and distribution of music. It became way cheaper and accessible. So it's easier to create music and it's cheap to get it like everywhere. It's true. And on the other side, social media platform, access to fans. Once you have your product and you put it in the store, now social media marketing and other tactics allow you to find fans. So I think, you know, when we think about the value that the label brings into, you know, the artist's career, it's a lot of like financing and distribution and then, you know, promotion. And I think in those two specific areas, there have been significant improvement that benefits independent artists. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's crazy. I've, I've talked to a couple of people about this. There's a lot of boutique label services company. You guys do a lot of marketing. There's the people that'll give independent A&Rs. All those things that were part of the major label record building are now on the outside. And if you can find somebody that fits your team, fits your budget, there's so many different ways to kind of get the pieces of that major label puzzle that you need because not everybody needs the whole thing. So I think that's that's cool. Before we we really dig in though, can we just do a quick short summary, like a quick bio on you guys, like the cliff notes of why you're passionate about music? You know, who wants to go first? Dan, do you want to go first? Sure, I'm happy to go first. <laughs> music has always been you know, one of my biggest passions. I would say I've never tried to be a professional musician, but my whole life I've been more of a, a hobbyist musician and, and songwriter. So I've always felt very connected to music. You know, I was able to get into the music industry working with Feature FM. You know, in my previous life, I was actually working in the, the banking and finance industry right out of college. That's a hard change. And <laughs> very quickly realized that that was not the path that I had wanted to be on. And, you know, I was able to get introduced to Lior, who was working at uh, on a new project called Feature FM. And we started working together uh, to kind of help build the business in, in the U.S. And, you know, after a couple months, this was back in 2014, I had, you know, officially joined and have been with the company ever since. Amazing. That's awesome. What about you, Lior? For me, um, I'd say when I was like a teenager, I had like two instruments that I played on. One was the guitar, 
but I at least tried to play. And the second one was the keyboard when I was coding. And I, you know, I have like a passion for music. And, you know, while I was coding, I was always listening to music. At a certain point in time, I wanted to connect my passion to coding, and my passion to music and do something together and actually innovate in a space that I really like that is helping people that I think need better solutions. You know, I have many artists, friends who, you know, they have great music and they're super talented, and, but none of them is successful. You mentioned it, I think, when we, at the beginning of the call, maybe among your group of friends. And, and when you think about it, I don't think that their biggest challenge is uh, creating the music because they have the talent, they know how to do it. And the biggest challenge is actually how do I build an audience, monetize and build a business? And I kind of felt that I can take my tech industry background uh, and music uh, understanding and data and try to connect the both to build a solution for those friends and any other artist that needs uh, such a system. So in my background, I was coding from the age of 13. I joined the Israeli army at the age of 18 and I was doing uh, cybersecurity. Um, I became an officer, managed uh, probably the biggest part for cybersecurity in the Israeli army. Wow. We've done a lot when it comes to intelligence and data and big data analysis and recommendation and forecasting. And when I saw that the music industry, uh, especially on the artist side, when we started, well, well, almost no tools existed to help those artists. It's like all kind of like formed in the past few years. And we saw the rapid growth of streaming services. And we knew that eventually streaming services would surpass, you know, any other form of uh, music consumption. And we said, if we'll build tools to help artists utilize those new platforms in a much better way and potentially can help artists build an audience, you know, that would be probably the, the biggest uh, fulfillment of my passion, which is music and technology, because I feel this is the area that we can bring a lot to the table. Yeah, that's awesome. I have some questions later specifically about like data. And I know that that's probably where a lot of feature FM has its strengths because I'm not very good at reading or, or understanding data. And I, I don't think most people are, but it's obviously key to business, you know, <laughs> but I think a cool way to start this conversation. Uh, I know we've kind of already talked about marketing a little bit, uh, but in your experience, in your opinion, if I'm a mostly unestablished independent artist right now in 2022 what's the ideal release plan for my music like what what's the best steps i can take to set myself up as opposed to the easiest steps or the first one that comes to mind like if you guys could control every artist that was releasing and using feature fm like what would you say like what's the checklist of like these are the things that are going to be max roi for your effort how much time do you have <laughs> until your next meeting <laughs> no it's a great question i mean we you know we kind of know you know what are the what are sort of the checklist or best practices items in using you know a tool like feature fm and kind of what we look at is you know anything that the artist needs to promote around their business which is you know recorded live merch website content now nfts you know whatever it is that is helping contribute to the artist's business we help you market it. You know, we help you drive fans to, you know, take that call to action, you know, to drive that business. So, you know, there's a way in which all of the different abilities to do that in feature FM sort of connect to each other. But if we're talking about the artist, kind of the artist release plan, kind of what are the sort of 
you know, key checkpoints. I would say, you know, if you're looking at kind of all of those different, let's call them, uh, you know, marketing campaigns or landing pages and feature FM that you can create to, you know, help drive fans to these different areas of your business. There's one key landing page that's sort of the glue that holds it all together. And that's your LinkedIn bio. You know, this has obviously become a wildly popular topic in just digital marketing is, you know, to make sure you have your LinkedIn bio set up in all your social media platforms. So, you know, the first thing is kind of the glue that holds everything together in terms of your online and digital marketing traffic is going to be your LinkedIn bio. This connects fans to then all of your other marketing campaigns, whether you want fans to subscribe to your email list, buy concert tickets, listen to your latest album, watch your latest video. You know, it's important to make sure that you have this set up and, you know, put into all of your social media profiles. So that's probably, you know, checklist item number one. The other things to do are to make sure you are in a position to collect fan contact information because you don't want to just always rely on these other third party platforms to be controlling your audience and controlling how you engage with your audience. So like one of the things that we believe in terms of actually building a career in the music industry and building yourself as a business for the long term, you know, not just having a song go viral, but actually building a career is you have to know who your fans are and you have to be able to contact those fans. Because today, you know, you might want them to go listen to your song, but tomorrow you want them to buy merch or buy a concert ticket or buy an NFT, whatever it is. So you need to know who your fans are and build upon your fan base. There's a number of ways in, you know, directly in Feature FM. We have countless ways that you can actually collect fan contact info when it's stored for you there. But as a, you know, as a general concept, you, know, you need to be in a position to collect fan contact info and be able to email them. So those are kind of the first two things to kind of make sure you're set up to do. Now, some of the tools that we have that are really focused on the release strategy. So there's the pre-release and then there's you know, the post-release. So you know, the number one most popular marketing campaign for a pre-release strategy today is going to be your pre-save campaign. Yep. Leading up to your release, you know, you want to make sure that you are able to generate buzz ahead of your release. And the pre-save is the most, you know, natural, obvious call to action that you're going to want fans to take. And there's a number of different reasons why they're so popular and why they're so valuable. Kind of where they first started, right? The you know, there's the impact it has on release day, which is, you know, fans are pre-saving. So what it means is you're also getting your artists followed inside of the streaming service. So if we're talking about Spotify, if I pre-save today, I'm going to actually start following you today in Spotify. Your song on release day will be saved to my library. It will be added to a playlist if I chose. I'll be following you. So on release day, you're going to get that sort of initial impact of fans that have decided ahead of time that they want to save your music and you know there's more of a chance of being in release radar they're being reminded hey this the song you saved is out and you know you're really starting out with a bang and you know making sure you're maximizing your streams on release day to get to the algorithmic playlists etc i had a question about pre-saves now everybody really believes or the the rumor seems to be that that's going to help your playlisting can the dsps can they see your pre-save count or is it really just boosting your first day performance, which then potentially triggers algorithms? How does that actually benefit you? Yeah, it's both. Okay. So we see many artists and teams leveraging their pre-saved data to pitch to the playlist, uh, to pitch to the DSPs. The DSPs are not necessarily 
directly seeing the pre-save data like in their dashboard because we're managing the pre-save process. But pre-save data has become one of the most important metrics for both the DSPs as well as for ARs even. Like we have ARs reaching out to us wanting to understand how to better access pre-save data. They're looking at pre-save data as a sign of which artists maybe they should work with or maybe they should sign. So there's definitely a lot of interest around this data. Now that said, Apple Music, for example, has a native pre-ad function. So as Spotify, as we know, is also testing a native pre-save function, if you do a pre-ad on Apple Music and it gets pre-added today, yeah, Apple Music has all that data. It's their, you know, it's their native pre-ad function. So as we see kind of more native pre-release types of call to actions coming to the services, it's not only giving artists more of an in-platform method of driving fans to pre-save, but then, yeah, the streaming services would also have better oversight into that data. Awesome. That's actually really insightful. I didn't know that. All I knew is you you want to stack up as many pre-saves as you can, not not the specific reason why. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's the impact on release day, but it's also, you know, the ability to generate buzz ahead of time. But with every pre-save, fans are also able to share their contact info with you. You know, this is one of the many methods in which you can collect fan contact info. And you know, fans that pre-save are, you know, they're, they're taking those steps to really show their dedication. You know, so artists know that these fans are going to be in their, you know, higher um, tier of loyal fans. You know, they're closer to your super fans, the ones that are pre-saving ahead of time, the ones that want to make sure they have your music, that it's part of their library, that it's part of their playlists. So it's also really helping the artist to build that fan relationship because now they can contact those fans who have pre-saved. Yeah. Um, so that's the pre-release strategy. As you're heading up to your release, you know, your pre-save will automatically convert to a released smart link in every time zone. So it actually happens locally in each time zone. Somebody in the UK can now listen to your music while somebody in New York can still pre-save until it's out in New York. But one of the sort of checklist items that are extremely important is making sure that every fan who pre-saved is reminded on release day, hey, the music you pre-saved is out. So historically, this could be done on your own. Like you could use MailChimp, you can use you know any email uh, marketing platform to make sure your fans are notified. But what we've now begun to roll out is automated email notifications, pre-save notifications. So automatically on release day, we will notify all of your fans who pre-saved um, on each platform. So whether it's you know, Spotify, Apple, Deezer, SoundCloud, Tidal, Amazon Music, whichever platform they pre-saved on, they'll get an email that tells them the music is out with a link to go listen to it directly in the service that they chose. Great. Yeah, I definitely have pre-saved plenty of songs and then actually not even found them in my library. (laughs) You're just like, I I told you I pre-saved it, but I can't find it. I'll just go to your artist page uh, and listen to it there. (laughs) Um, If you're enjoying this episode, then please consider pulling your phone out, tapping that share button and sending this to one person that you think would enjoy it. Obviously, it would be huge for me, but it could be even more game-changing for that person. You just never know what can inspire or help someone else out. I want to take a second to tell you about Secret Sonics, a podcast by Ben Wallach and Carl Bonner. Secret Sonics is one of my favorite shows, and it's now double amazing with the addition of Carl Bonner as a co-host. Ben and Carl have teamed up to discuss the real-world trials and triumphs of music production. They cover it all from mixing and studio tricks to branding and mindsets. If you're a fan of progressions, you'll be a fan of Secret Sonics. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts or hit the link in the show notes. That's cool. What about post-release? I'm a big believer that in today's world, 
artists need to be releasing constantly. Yeah. Every four to six weeks. Like to me, as much as I love to listen to an album because I'm slightly older than most people that listen to music now, I feel like if you're starting, you got to do single after single after single after single, and then you could package them as an album later. And obviously that takes a lot of time. So there's going to be gaps. Are there things that people can do in the in-between spaces? Like you've got six weeks before your next single drops. What are some marketing type maneuvers that you can make to keep your catalog alive? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, here's here's what we're seeing. And yeah, so we just covered kind of a, a specific release, right? What are kind of the steps pre-release to post-release where feature FM tools fit in? But we haven't covered, yeah, the, you know, generally what are the marketing strategies that we're that we're seeing, not even talking about what you should be doing on social media, you know, what you could be posting, what you could be sharing with fans. And this is where that in-between release strategy is extremely important. Here's what we're seeing. You know, this rise of the short form video, social media, TikTok, Reels, Shorts, you know, every platform kind of rushing to offer some solution for short form video. It's done a couple of things for artists and their relationship with fans. You know, it allows artists to really have a more of a direct relationship with their fans more than ever before, bring them behind the scenes, bring them into the creative process, have interactions, have remixes, have contests, you know, really, you know, has unlimited potential. So, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, first and foremost, many, many artists actually bringing fans into the creative process. You know, as an artist, anything you're doing, that's content, you know, any literally anything you're doing, anytime you're working on a song, working on music, anything related to your business, you know, you can post content, bring your fans into the behind the scenes, get their input, let them engage, let them interact with it. So one strategy we see is uh, actually something that's been dubbed the evergreen pre-save. This is something where even if you don't have a song ready, even if you don't have a song that is released or planning to release, you can have content of uh, right of of you as an artist writing that song, working on that song, and saying to fans, "Hey, you can already go pre-save this. Eventually, when it comes out, you know, I'll make sure you get it." Because we don't require music to be distributed in order to actually start collecting pre-saves. As long as you distribute it eventually, we can pre-save it. Uh, we can save it to everybody's library. So, because of this unique feature in Feature FM. It's become a very big strategy. Another thing that's happened kind of with that same mechanism is not necessarily like purposely uh, having that evergreen pre-save strategy, but being able to take advantage of when you do go viral. So there's these viral moments that happen on TikTok where most of the time it's unplanned. You know, you might try to plan it, but one out of 10 times it'll actually work out. So usually when you're going viral or something goes viral, you know, it's it's something that you didn't plan on happening and you need something to, you know, how do you take advantage of that? So we provide those call to action to take advantage of those viral moments. Really anything you post on social media, you know, we provide those call to actions you want fans to take. But, you know, this is something where we see somebody is, you know, working on a song that goes, you know, their post goes viral what do you want fans to do? You can put in that pre-save, hey, this song, you know, I'm working on this song, go and pre-save it. Eventually when it comes out, I'll make sure you get it. So there's another opportunity there to ensure that fans are able to take that action. So we're seeing a lot of that kind of bringing fans behind the scenes on, uh, on the short form video. That's cool. Other things you can be doing, you know, you can be running contests. 
So there's, you know, contest capabilities where you can have fan, you know, make sure you're building your fan base, getting followers, getting email subscribers, getting fans to save your music. If you're going to be having a tour, you can give away tickets, you can give away signed merch. So being able to generate contests in between releases is a great way to keep your fans engaged, to grow your fan base, to collect those fan email addresses, uh, promoting your playlists, um, you know, is another great way. So you can be building content, building playlists, building music recommendations. You know, here's what I'm listening to. It's another, um, you know, another strategy, uh, that we're looking at. But I think in general, yeah, just that, that idea of bringing fans into the behind the scenes as an artist is one of the most powerful ways to keep your fans engaged. Cause I think you're right. We're in a consumption environment. It's not a transactional environment. You always need to be engaging your fans, constantly putting out content, constantly putting out music that, you know, the, the, the pace has really picked up in terms of how often and how frequent you need to be releasing music to keep the attention spans of, of your fan base. Yeah. The evergreen pre-save. I've never heard that term before, but that's genius. Because I was just talking to somebody a few weeks ago on the show who's a mix engineer. And he's actually had situations where labels have come to him and they're like, hey, this just popped off on TikTok. We need this to be done and out by Friday. You've got like 48 hours. Are you available? And so that is something that is happening. So yeah, if you're able to capitalize on that moment with a pre-save for a song that doesn't exist. Now I have a question about that. Does it need to have a working title? Can it just be called like song x and then once the song is fully flushed out is it then it can just be adjusted and replaced it can be called my next big hit or you know whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's the idea actually to try to to get them you know to participate so i'm, I'm building i, I want to have a new song i'm not sure yet what it's going to be you know connect to your fans and then you know maybe 15 seconds of like a melody and you know what do you guys think about it like that's where I'm starting at and kind of like, you know, bring your fans along into your journey. And I think this is touches to maybe your initial question about what artists should do when they have a new release. And I think maybe artists should start thinking more of businesses and less about like, you know, release cycles, because what happens in reality is that most artists, they work a lot on a song and they will invest, you know, so much time and energy on creating, producing the song. And then they're going to put it on the streaming platforms or wherever social media platforms. They're going to spend two weeks trying to promote it and they're going to go and they're going to leave it. And that's it. You know, this song is not successful. I should go to, to my next, uh, you know, song. But in reality, in business, and I can tell you personally from Future FM, that even when the product is ready and it doesn't really matter if it's like a tech product like Future FM or, you know, any kind of product, just Creating the product is just the first step and to build the audience and, you know, like essentially future of them is like artists, startup companies is exactly like artists. We have a craft, you know, we put it out there and now we need to build a community around our brand, to build a brand, to build a community around our brand and to start like growing, you know, while, when building this community. And I think artists should do constant work on their brand uh, on a daily basis if they want to build a career. And, you know, when I say build a career, I don't necessarily mean to become the next, you know, Beyonce. You know, if an artist can make like $100,000 a year, $200,000 a year, half a million dollar a year to create a range. And I think um, the consumption economy, as Dan calls it, is essentially going to push many artists to 
go this route if they really want to build a fan base. It's not going to happen just because of the song. It will happen because of the song and thing that the artist needs to actively do to connect with the fans, you know, beyond just the song, you know, through who he is as a person. Yeah. The, uh, I just wanted to highlight the, the building the community part, I think is a real, that everybody should take note of that because that, that's really the most important part. You want the people that love, you're going to have passive listeners. I mean, the era of playlist is here. Like I listen to music for three hours a day and I don't save a single song. Can't tell you what I listen to, but those people that do click on there and go deeper into discovering you you got to suck them in and, and have a community for them to step into. Otherwise, they're just going to listen to a couple songs and move on and it's going to stay passive. So um, that's a really great approach because that's what brands do. That's you, you end up in like the Apple ecosystem or you're a huge fan of this or that. Like you become part of this community that's surrounding the brand. So I, that was a great insight. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think I read somewhere on Twitter, Twitter, someone like tweeted something. Do you want to build a business? Build a community first. Because once you have a community, like you can monetize, right? You can do things with them. You can you can offer them things, and I think uh, that's the key. As you mentioned, that's the yeah. key. You have to build a community. Here's a question you guys may or may not know off the top of your head. I don't know. Uh, what's a good engagement for any business? Let's say you have a community around your YouTube channel, or you have a community around your record what's a good engagement percentage when you put a product or a song out there? Is there, do you have any idea? I don't <laughs> like, or, or people that pull the trigger on your product. Like what's a success? It's a good question. I don't, I don't know the answer off the top of my head. Okay. You know, even to, to, to throw out a number, I don't think would be, uh, would be fair. <laughs> I, I know. I just, I feel like reading articles, I feel like it's surprisingly low. I mean, I remember like years ago, like what, like 5% engagement on an Instagram post was good. I just feel like people, they get mad if they have 10,000 people on their mailing list and five people buy the product. Yeah. I mean, 9,999 weren't going to buy it, you know? Because by the way, I'm wondering why, because may, maybe like if you constantly engage your fans, maybe then when you, you know, offer them something, it's not that like, you know, the last thing they heard about it was a year ago. So like they're engaged. So maybe it helps to convert more fans to actually take an action. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from a business perspective, yeah. I mean, you know, I think the conversion rate of if you have, you know, 100 people that you can email and you send an email to sell them something and only a couple of people buy it, it's, you know, probably lower than I think people would would think. But it's, you know, it's pretty standard. I mean, you're going to get a couple of percentage points of actual conversions, um, you know, typically if we're talking about just like e-com and business. So I think that, you know, people might have higher expectations than, than reality, but you know, that's how you learn and how you can improve. Yeah. Conversion. That's the word I should have used. <laughs> I confused everybody when I said engagement. That's why I brought professionals in. <laughs> we're kind of talking a little, we're kind of like hinting at advertising. Do you, do you think that running ads is something that independent artists should consider? And if so, like what are the common mistakes or misnomers that people have about that, that world? I can just uh, say definitely artists should uh, like um, promote their art or, and business. Uh, they should uh, start, you know, with the inner circles that they have access for free, which is the audience they collected. And I think they need to try to find similar audience to expand their fan base. 
So definitely we encouraged, and I think Future of Web was started as a music advertising company to begin with, and only then we converted it to a full marketing suite. So we definitely believe in advertising. Uh, it depends on the form of advertising that you're using to, to drive engagement. And I think the biggest mistakes artists are doing when they uh, create those ads is that like they're not, they don't necessarily have the knowledge about how to set up ads you know, in a smarter way, retargeting ads to essentially add uh, retargeting pixels to be able to essentially target the fans that they currently have in their ad if they want to sell them something. And many artists just like do boost posts, put some numbers behind it, and that's it. And if they don't get good results, they're disappointed. And I think what you know, we're trying essentially in our company is to simplify the process of creating ads, but baking inside of it all the special sauce that all the bigger labels are doing and the best practices. So you as an artist would have an easy way to launch an ad, but at, at the back end you would get, you know, retargeting and everything that comes up with, you know, similar audience uh, that likes you, that might like your music, etc. So, so definitely uh, we think that if you are in a business, you should invest in uh, growing that business at a scale that fits your abilities and you need a way to measure the, you know your progress so you would know where to spend your dollars in a wiser way so feature fm is not only helping you launch those campaigns we help you understand the performance we channel brought you the best results so you can essentially you know take your limited amount of dollars and spend it the wisest way now i think the goal is to have from release to release to have bigger amount of audience and i think that's the sign of doing good work so it's like climbing a mountain right you take it step by step but you can eventually reach the top so i'm saying even if you grow slowly but you are in a growth mode you're on the right track yeah now you need to understand what's helping you and amplify those areas and what's not working and not focus on those areas anymore and i think uh you know, it's not going to be suddenly, you know, a success overnight unless, you know, it's luck. you know, we've seen it a lot in the industry, but, you know, you cannot rely on it when you want to build a business. You cannot rely on the luck. You have to, to bet on yourself. Yeah. Luck, uh, luck is really, I've said this a million times. I don't know who I stole it from, but it's preparation meets, you know, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, that's, that's essentially what luck is. So, exactly. so I'm familiar with feature FM because I've pre-saved things like, I totally know what you guys do from the fan side. What am I not seeing on the on the backside? What kind of data do artists have and why should they be interested in having data like that? Okay, I have a question. Let's say you have a, a release. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go like something like super, super simple. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you have a release and you want to publish it on social media, right? And you can put the link to your pre-save um, at the description. You can put it in the first comment. You can put it on Twitter. You can put it on a press release. You can put it on Instagram. And now you essentially like you're running your campaign. Let's say you're not using feature FM. You're getting a bunch of pre-saves or less. And you don't know where it came from. Like, how did I get those? Like, which channel of all those places actually helped me? So let's say in feature FM, you can tag the links with certain activities. You can put one link in the description, one link in the first comment and see actually which one brought me more success. And then you can say, you know what, on my next release, I'm going to do only the first comment. I'm going to do, you know, those hours. I'm going to do, you know, those channels. So this is one example that shows you 
how to identify where you have more success or less success. And the same for ads. You can like put the link in an ad, create five ads. Each one gets, you know, a different channel or activity link. And you're able to see, you know, not how many clicks people click the ad, how many people actually pre-saved and got your music into their library, how many people actually got followed on Spotify or other streaming services. So the idea is, you know, is to essentially put in front of you data that help you understand what was more effective than other activities um, and to make it easy for you. So that's one example, you know, the channels, because that's kind of like an easy way to identify where you should spend more time. Yeah. And I think time is an asset. So you want to know where to, you want to spend your time. I agree. I agree with that. Um, I've, I've had a few conversations kind of touching on marketing with people on this show. And I think the thing that hasn't really been said really just like as a one sentence like thing is that advertising is really about identifying what's working and spending your money there. Yeah. I think because most people think like somebody mentioned earlier, I'll just boost this post mm-hmm. that is my album cover. And yeah, if you don't have the access to that data, then you have no clue what's working. And I'm just thinking about ads that I've run in the past. I'm actually running an ad right now uh, for another business and it is tanking. But um, yeah, it's about having the data that works. It's like you spend $100 on something or you can spend $100 on something that works. I think that's that's a good thing for people to take note of that Mm -hmm. that's what the data gives you. I think like artists must become a little bit more marketers. And people who understand data and take data as a, you know, as a partner and companion to help them, you know, uh, make better decisions. And we're saying that the younger artists are really, they really understand data. They really understand, you know, social media in an amazing way. And it kind of like feels that, you know, as the, the younger generation, they understand marketing and social media in such great way. Yeah, they do. They really, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't keep up with them. (laughs) When it comes to data, um, you know, I think what we see, not, not just artists, but many people, you know, they, they know data is important. They hear the term big data, they know they need to approach data to get data. What many people do is, you know, they're, they're given these analytics dashboards, they're given the data and they, they go into it and try to find something. Right. But it's not really the best approach if you don't know what you're looking for. You know, what we usually recommend is, you know, what's the best practice is before you go and look at the data, before you go and look at the dashboard, you need to sort of define what are the questions that you want answered? You know, what are you trying to understand? So as an artist, you know, if you feel like you're lost with data, you know, the the approach I recommend to take is to first list the questions that you're trying to get answered. Things like, what streaming services do my fans use? You know, which of my social media posts is going to drive the most traffic to my release? You know, as Lior uh, alluded to before, you know, will Facebook perform better than TikTok, for example, or the other way around? Where do my fans come from? You know, what countries do they come from? You know, these are just some examples, but these are questions that you'll want to, you know, really list out even before you jump into the data and and by doing that, you know what you're looking for. So when you go into the data, you know where you're going to answer certain questions to help you know how you can perform better in the future. You know, you can sort of see what were the results of 
these different strategies? You know, did my newsletter drive sales more than my ad on Facebook? So it's exactly as you said, you know, the data is there to identify what works and what doesn't work so that you can do more of what does work, whether it's paid or organic. When it comes to paid, you asked about, you know, how artists are, you know, should be advertising or should they be advertising at all? So I, I also, you know, I also have recommendations on this. You know, it's, it's my belief that I believe artists should always have ads running. Interesting. You know, really, it's, it's this, this term of always on advertising. You know, whether your budget is $10 a month, $50 a month, $100 a month, doesn't matter what it is. You know, you should always have budget allocated to running ads because, as we said, we're in a consumption environment. You're always going to be putting out content. There's always going to be something that you can be advertising for and you can keep it running and you can optimize. You can change things. You can change the creatives. You can change what you're advertising, change what you're promoting. But I think historically there was this idea of like, you know, an ad campaign where you set a budget, the budget ends and that ad campaign is over. I think now this idea of always on advertising to always have something being promoted to fans and to change what you're promoting, you know, maybe change how you're targeting based on what you're learning, always improving it. But to always have something on is going to constantly have something that's driving engagement, that's driving fans. If you want to dive a little deeper, then there's, you know, the strategies of prospecting and retargeting, where prospecting is designed to find new audiences and retargeting is designed to target people who have already expressed interest in you as an artist, in what you're doing. And there's there's always different types of content, different types of ads, different types of creatives to those two audiences. But I can kind of leave it there. But in general, I think that that idea of always on advertising is, you know, uh, exceptionally important in today's environment. It's all to create awareness, essentially, like people see your face, even if it's like a small, you know, chamber. Uh, where, you know, like not so many people are exposed, they still see it again and again and create something. It helps. No, it's, there is a, what do they say? Like if you see something three or five times, you're more likely to engage with it. And like, okay, I saw this on TV. Then my friend mentioned it. Then I saw it on Instagram. Okay, I'm gonna go check out uh, Riverside FM, Mm -hmm. which is where we are right now. Dan said that he gets ads for it. I get ads for it. I'm using it. (laughs) But uh, I, I think that's good. Dan, that was all, I think there's a lot of stuff in there that people can identify what they want to go deeper on. Because obviously, the inner workings of marketing is going to blow a lot of minds, and we probably shouldn't go (laughs) deep, deep. But that's all amazing. This one is a little bit more Feature FM specific as a question. I know you guys work with big companies. You work with like Ditto, AWOL, uh, Beggars Group, Epitaph. Obviously, the service you're providing for a lot of these companies are probably much more customized to their needs. How is the independent artist platform similar to the types of things that you're supplying to these big companies that obviously are working with you in a different manner than most people would? I can actually answer to that. So, uh, because it ties to a different topic I wanted to, to, to talk about, which is education. Yes. Uh, because I think that's a very big part of um, what's missing today. And I think, you know, when you look at the space in general, you see that like in most cases, you know, you have the same product for artists and the labels. Just one can, it can create multiple artists and one can just manage himself, but they see almost the same interface, the same options, but they're two totally different type of customers. One is super professional, you know, 
marketing release after release for multiple artists, knows retargeting, affiliate, best practices, have connections, relationships. And the second was in an artist that knows how to make amazing music, but he has no idea about marketing. And I can tell you that like today artists get, I guess, like probably most, if not all of the features that, you know, the marketer and business tiers get. We're not excluding artists from like anything if, you know, they, they want it. That's awesome. Uh, but what we did see is that even if you put in front of the artist all the tools, they, they're not necessarily know how to use them. And one of the things that we want to do in Feature FM is kind of like separate the artist experience from the label experience where the artist experience is more of an educational platform that not only give you the tools, but give you tips on how to use the tools as you go bite size, almost like a personal assistant um, that takes all the best practices that we know and help you apply them in an easier way where the label tools will be more professional, helping them get things fast at scale, you know, done. And I think that's their challenge. The challenge of the, the bigger labels is, you know, how do I get, like, I have a lot of work to do. I have many releases. I need to get things done. I think the challenge of the art is like, where am I starting? Like, what do I need to do? Yeah. And I think that's what we want to try to do is uh, to be an artist first company and actually build those type of experience for him. So we can really like at the end of, at the, end of the day, he would be able to be a much smarter artist when it comes to marketing. So you touched a great point. I think they both get the same tools, but there is a knowledge gap that prevents segment of artists from utilizing all of that because they're undereducated. Yeah. And I think that's where we're going to tackle, you know, over the next, you know, few years is helping bridge that gap as well. That should definitely bring a lot of people on board because I mean, even if I think of like, I don't know that much. And I think to myself, am I going to benefit from using something like Feature FM for my music? I don't really release music. But if I knew more about why these tools were useful, then I'd be more likely to jump on board and try these tools. And I guess I have one other question. Feature FM, is it built for like, if it's my first song, do I want to explore something like Feature FM? Or should I release a couple songs and understand just releasing music before I jump into a marketing platform? Obviously, you're going to say from the first song. But. <laughs> I, I'd, say, I'd say this, so I'll ask you a question. I'll answer a question with a question. Let's say you released a new song and you distribute it to all the DSPs. How do you share it? Which link do you share? Yeah, I have, I, I'd have a link tree with like seven different links in it, probably. So yeah, so you know what? That's a solution. If you have a link tree and you can put and share it through that, but it's kind of like the same of concept. So, you know, when I... Future FM, let's call it like a, an umbrella word right now, but there are many companies that provide, you know, those type of like, form. not many, but there are a few. But I think that if you just want to make sure that fans can consume their content on their favorite streaming services from your first release, you have to do it. If you don't care, send them all to YouTube because no one needs to authenticate. and can just consume the content. So it's all based about what do you want to do? Do you want, do you want to start like learning the process? And seeing, you know, release from A to Z, including some uh, usage of marketing tools. You want to say, you know, I want to just focus, release the, the first songs, put the YouTube link. But then what? What about data? What about statistics? How do you know how it's, you know, like what's working or not? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, like at the very least, like once you're, you know, releasing a couple of songs, you know, if your if your goal is to want to have a career in music or even to get people to listen to that song, you know, at the very minimum, you need a, you know, you you refer to Linktree, you need a link in bio, you need a, a link that sends fans to the different services, like sort of the, you know, that one asset in itself is kind of, you know, the the core of what we do, or one of the cores of what we do is it's, you know, your music is on so many different streaming services and there's different services in different countries and people speak different languages and all of that. So if, you know, if you're just trying to get fans to listen to your music in the service that they use, the minimum you need a released smart link that sends them to the right place. And I can tell yeah. you that this is exactly the reason that we have a free tier for artists. By the way, we have free tier for artists. We don't have free tier for business ah. users. Uh, and the reason is that awesome. we, we, we don't want to block any artists of trying those tools just because it's too early in his career. So start with the free tools, yeah. you get a lot, a lot for free um, and experiment. And only when you feel that you get enough value and you want to step to the next stage, you know, you can enroll into one of our plans. But the goal of having free tier for artists is to make sure that any artist has access to those type of tools uh, without hesitation. That's amazing. And I, I, I do want to say that there is like, there's such a value to having a industry specific tool like you guys are built around music i as a podcast like like i said i've been using another another service but it's like it's just kind of a catch-all place for links and i found things that are similar to feature fm but in the podcast space and when you go and look at those you're like oh yeah this is exactly kind of what i want it to be I'm not using any of them because they were in beta but <laughs> there's definitely a power to using a tool that's designed for your business you know what i mean so Exactly. By the way, that's uh, we believe that you know the music industry should have music tools, music marketing tools. Like I don't think that they need to go and and use different platforms to build for general purpose industries that don't understand metadata, songs, genres, followers, paper stream, paid user versus free user, royalty rates. I think the music industry is big and important enough to have tech stack of their own. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I can't. I can't use Future FM for my podcast, can I? You actually can. <laughs> you, can you can actually. Can, you, you I can, can. Okay. We're happy to help you with that if needed. Oh, amazing. Well, I guess a, a follow up to that is it is there value for any creator, YouTuber, TikTok person, or is it really music audio related? Many creators can use Future FM because we have BioLink. Okay. We have, you know, if you have like podcasts, so you want to do follow on Spotify because you have Spotify audience and you want to capture followers. You want to collect email addresses. So I think like audio definitely uh, it can be useful, but we do focus on music and we're, we're not branching out at the moment. We really, we really okay. believe the music industry should have tools. But I think, you know, based on our conversation, we would love to set you up with an account and actually maybe share the link to this podcast into a few different channels and show you the data on where your friends are coming from. And maybe this could help you understand a little bit uh, in a more visual way what we're trying to to build and why. Yeah, that's a, that sounds fun. I, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, I could say our, our, our DNA is in the music industry, for sure. You know, we are focused on building tools for artists, for musicians, for the music industry to, to market themselves, market their business. That said, we did launch a specific podcast, SmartLink, where it automatically finds your podcast everywhere that it exists and creates the, the landing page. And the, the reason that that happened was because 
while we are so focused on music, we saw so many artists also creating podcasts. So there was just a natural demand and spillover from our existing artist market because, you know, it made sense. You know, many artists that were also creating podcasts and, you know, if our mission is to provide the tools to artists for whatever they need to promote and they're looking to promote podcasts, just like, by the way, NFTs, you know, we launched integrations with the NFT platforms. Oh, amazing. So we really first look at what, you know, what our, what our artist market needs around their business. And we kind of inform the product based on what we're seeing they need to market, based on how they need to market. But our DNA is always in the music industry, is what I can say. Part of our mission, to kind of go back to your question earlier around, you know, how we work with big companies and how we work with independent artists. You know, I think part of our mission at our core is to give the same access to tools, to technology, to artists that the big companies have, that the big companies have used. Yeah. So we see kind of the major labels have a lot of their own internal tools, things that they're not even using third parties for. And, you know, we saw that if they're able to use tools like this to create contests, to collect emails, to send emails, you know, all of these things, that we can make these same tools available to the greater independent artist market as well. So while we work with a lot of big companies, I think at our core, you know, we're, we're looking to make the same technology, the same marketing technology available to all artists that all the big companies use as well. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, this has been, uh, I've really enjoyed this. I know uh, you guys have a meeting you have to get to, but I've got, um, I've got a couple questions that I close every episode of the show with. And even though this is a bonus, it might be fun. I'm only going to ask you one of them because I think it applies more to our conversation. What right now is your current biggest goal? I don't know if you guys want to do this personally or as Feature FM. Whatever you want is fine by me. And what is the next smallest step you're going to take to go towards that goal? I guess I'll speak to Feature FM. I do think personally about my personal goals. Um, <laughs> well, my life is kind of like Feature FM in the past decade. <laughs> so it's kind, of like, it's kind of like blended already. <laughs> it's all hazy. I think our goal as a company is to see and be be part of like this movement who is trying to build a middle class of artists. Yeah, you know those artists who have great music, um, but they aren't able to monetize uh, because they don't have tools or knowledge to help them do that. And I think you know way more artists should be able to make a living off their music. True, um, and I think the revenue should be distributed like more in a fair way, and access to distribution and you know listenership, and kind of like you know every step, every day we take a small step, like climbing the mountain to try to to make this thing happen. Uh, where you know in every single decision that we take in the company, which is like, are we helping achieving this goal? Can we be you know what can we do better to to promote that cause? Because I think that, you know, if we will be able to be part of that and we will be able to to help, you know, artists make more money, to me, that's probably the best thing to do. You know, I feel that like they're so talented and deserve to, to find that talent. Agreed. There's far too many people that are talented that, you know, change paths just because they couldn't monetize or survive, which is unfortunate and sad. But uh, yeah. By the way, in the startup world, it's the same. You know, most startups die. Even though, you know, like maybe they like uh, the better, the rates are better, like one of them would succeed. Uh, but yes, you know, the challenges that we experienced as a startup, you know, in the early days, I think they're no 
dissimilar from challenges that artists face when they start their career. Yeah, everybody's an entrepreneur these days, whether they want to be or not. Which I like a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, maybe I'll touch one last thing, which was, yeah, you know, when you spoke about the Grammys, that you said, you know, so I won't have a Grammy maybe next year. So like the second thing I think it's about, you know, it used to be like, I want to build a unicorn. I don't want to build a unicorn. If, if I'm not a unicorn as a company, I'm a failure. And I think, you know, what we believe is that also, you know, we strongly believe in the also middle class of business. We don't think everything should be unicorns. There are many amazing businesses that are super successful and they're like $200 million business, $500 million business, $100 million business, $50 million business. And I think uh, in a similar way, I think uh, the music industry should approach artists. You know, you don't have to be mega artist to be an artist, successful artist and be proud of yourself. Couldn't agree more. That's uh, like we were talking about before we started. That's kind of the root of the podcast is kind of defining what success is for yourself so that you're happy, not trying to like fit into somebody else's mold or, or whatever nonsense. But uh, Dan, did you want to add anything before we, we closed any? No, I think you know, I'm, I'm definitely aligned with, uh, you know, Lure's response and kind of what, what is the future FM goal and what, you know, what are the steps we're taking to get there? I think, uh, yeah, you know, we want to help any artist with, you know, with great music, find their fans, build a career. And, you know, the steps we're taking are to, you know, build the tools to help empower that, you know, to help facilitate their ability to do that. Amazing. Awesome. Uh, before we go, I always let everybody, you know, throw out whatever links they want. Obviously, feature.fm is very easy to find on the internet because that's what it is. <laughs> but if you want to share uh, anything about Feature FM, where people can find it or whatever, so whatever you want. Yeah, I think, you know, what I would say is for any, you know, any artists that are, uh, you know, that are listening to help kind of build their own knowledge, build their career. Yes, you can find us at Feature FM. You can also reach out to us directly at any time on any of our social media uh, platforms. They're all, all the handles are at Feature FM. And you can email us directly, community at Feature FM. And, you know, we'll always look to, you know, get back and, and respond to you. Uh, any artist that signs up to the platform also and starts a trial, we give them an opportunity to actually schedule a one-on-one -on -one call with uh, with an expert from our team directly. Amazing. Uh, to help Amazing. get them set up, to help them, you know, learn as much as they can. You know, we, so we we always strive to be as approachable um, and accessible as possible. Amazing. I just want to note that you said community at Feature yes. FM. After we talked about building community, just a common thread there for anybody that maybe forgot about how important community is. We actually have also a community platform where artists uh, can collaborate and talk and chat and find resources, and which is also part of like what we're doing. Um, I think it's members.features.fm. Okay. But anybody who signs up to the platform, you don't have to start a trial. You could just sign up with an account, gets an invitation to the members.features.fm portal. Oh, amazing. That's awesome. And I would also encourage anyone who listens as an artist just to check out our YouTube channel. There is like webinars and educational content for free that teaches about, you know, retargeting and many other aspects of music marketing. So it's again, you know, free educational resources that can help them better understand, you know, how to do things in a more efficient way. Perfect. That's awesome. I'll I'll grab some links to some of that stuff. Make sure it's in the show notes so people can find it. But this was uh, I really enjoyed this thing. I want to thank both of you guys for taking the time out of your day and hanging out and sharing some info. I think uh, there's a lot of great stuff in there for people. 
Anytime. Thanks, Travis. Um, it was great being on the show. And we look forward to the next one. <laughs> well, we'll do it again. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Have a good one. So that's it for this episode. Thanks to Dan and Lior for coming on the show. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you've been enjoying the show, please leave us a review over on Apple Podcast. It's a great way to support the show. And finally, on that note, I will see you all next week for one of our regular interview episodes.